Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. You know, I love Young Disciples Time. It is just so much fun, which, which leads me to a couple of jokes today. So the first one, this pastor calls the children up for Young Disciples Time on Easter Sunday. And, and he's talking to them, and, and he says to the children, do you know what today is? Well, what are we doing today? And, and a little boy raises his hand and says, well, today is the day that we, we pay honor to our moms and for, for everything that our moms have done to us. And the past, like, oh, no, that's, that's not today. That's Mother's Day, and that's in a couple of months. Does anybody know what today is? And a, a little girl raises her hand and said, today is the day that we give thanks for everything that God has given us. And, and pastor says, well, you know, we do that every day. Every day we give thanks for, for what God has, has given us, but I think what you're thinking about is Thanksgiving, and, and that's in November. Well, then another young girl raises her hand, and, and the pastor calls on her and said, today is the day that we celebrate that Jesus died on the cross and was put inside of a tomb. And then three days later, he, he rose from the dead. And the pastor was like, yes, that's what happens today. And then the little girl continues. Then Jesus saw his shadow and then six days. <laughs> Happy Groundhog's Day. I had, you know, you don't get that many opportunities to share that joke on, on, on Groundhog's Day in church. So I had to. Mm. So another pastor calls up a bunch of kids for the children's sermon. And, and in the middle of the sermon, he says, okay, I want you to tell me what this is. Has, has really, really long ears and, and, and buck teeth. And, and usually you see them, they're, they're white all over. And the kids are looking at the pastor with a kind of a blank look on their face. And the pastor continues to say, they have a, a big, fluffy cotton tail, and, and they're known for eating carrots. What am I talking about? And the kids are looking all confused as they look at each other, and one of them raises their hands, and the pastor calls on them. And the little girl says, well, I know the answer has to be Jesus, but what you're describing sounds like a bunny rabbit to me. You know, I tell you that joke because sometimes that's how we look at our faith, especially uh, doing youth ministry for, for quite a while. And even today, there'll be some times where we're asking a question, and, and the answer is maybe Jesus, but we answer that question as the end of a sentence. That, that we, we don't want to discuss any further. If we say Jesus, we're done having the conversation. And, and that's a trap that we fall into as a church. 
Sometimes we, we throw Jesus out there as the easy answer so we don't have to, to struggle with those things that, that we need to struggle with. We, we throw Jesus out there because we know that technically we're right, but there's, there's a little bit more to the, the, the question than, than what we lay forth. We're getting ready to start a new series called, called High Christology. And, and the reason why we're doing that is because of, of a quote that, that, that lives in my brain a lot, and I have it written down a few places by, by A.W. Tozer. And, and it's on your front of your bulletin, but we also have it here on the screen, where, where it says, there is, uh, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that sentence one more time. The most imp- what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How, how we think about who God is for us in our lives and, and how we do life it is the most important thing about us. You know, I, I scroll through social media all the time, and I see posts that dismiss God here or there. I, I, I hear it uh, on, on the news. I hear it on TV programs, and it just makes me sad because what I see people grabbing a hold of is, is a false image or, or a false view of who God really is. There's a, there's a theological word, I've used that word already, but that there's a word that we talk about when we, we t- talk about the study of God, and it's theology. Theo is, is God, and ology is the study of. So when we talk about doing theology, we're talking about how do we understand who God is. But what we're focusing on today is called Christology, is that how do we focus and how, how do we understand exactly who this person of Christ is and his relationship to uh, the Father and to the Spirit and, and, and his relationship with us? Over the next four weeks, we're going to be building on, uh, I hope, a, a high Christology, a way for us to, to understand why Jesus came, first and foremost, And how does that interact with our relationship with the one who created us? My hope is that after we finish this series, we will have a chance to see Jesus as more than just a a safe answer to throw out. But we get to see Jesus as what he says in our scripture later, being the way, the truth and the life. So as we prepare to go to our scripture this morning, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Would you please pray with me? Oh God, sometimes we need to just to have a little bit more of a focus, a focus on who you are. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we thank you that you have have given him to us so that we can see you more fully. So, Lord, as we enter this time together, as we open up your words, we pray that you let the words of my mouth 
And the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So let's go ahead and jump on in here to uh, the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 14 if you want to follow along in your Bibles or you can follow along with the words that we will have on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me. The Father is in me. Oh, sorry. Who is doing, let me start over. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now. There is a lot to unpack in that scripture, those, those 14 verses. So we may be going past a little bit 530, so no, just kidding. We're not going to do that. But I wanted to really just focus today. I, I wanted you to hear the entire passage, but I want us to focus on, on one particular verse in the passage, around verse 9 where Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, being a little familiar with, with what is going on around the time, that was a mind-blowing statement by Jesus. If, if we had this audio sound of what was happening around the disciples, you would hear all of their minds just going with what Jesus had said. Because the idea or, or the fact 
that they are able to see the Father through Jesus Christ was such a, a odd or, or such a statement that would have never crossed their minds before is what would have happened. We, we hear all of the time about places in the Old Testament where God has had encounters with, with, with people in the Bible. First, we, we hear about in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve are creative, and the story talks about how after they, they ate the fruit of the, of, the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they, they went and hid, and, and they heard God coming through the garden, and they were afraid because they were naked. Now, a lot of people take this to mean that what they saw, that, that, that Adam and Eve and, and God took regular walks with each other through the garden, but that's not what it's talking about. It's saying that the presence of God came through the Garden of Eden, and because Adam and Eve knew their situation, they, they hid and they heard God's presence in the garden. The second time that we hear about God having a, a face-to-face meeting, if you will, with somebody in the Bible is with Jacob. When Jacob is, is wrestling with this, this figure, and, and he says at the end, after the, the, this figure goes away, I have wrestled with God face-to-face. And it wasn't really God, it, w- it was a manifestation of who God is that had that encounter with Jacob. The next story is the story of Moses, where first we see God encountering Moses within the burning bush, but then we see as Moses is leading the Israelites to the promised land time and time again, we see that that Moses had face-to-face meetings with God. But but we know that's not true because we hear later in, in chapter 33 of Exodus Moses is begging to see who God is. (coughs) And when he does that, God says, you can't see my face. You cannot see the glory of who I am. So so what I will do, I will put you in a cleft of a rock, and I will pass by so you can see behind me, to see the back of my head. And, And Moses is able to see the glory from God from the back of God's head. And then finally in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about the visions that he has where he sees God up on the throne and he sees, and he says that I see God face to face on the throne. But what Isaiah is seeing is not God himself, he's seeing this this manifestation. The word that is used for that is a theopony, a visible manifestation of God to different people. Those are how the people of Israel got the opportunity to, to see God's presence in the Old Testament. But here, in the Gospels, the, the beginning of the New Testament, we see a, a new way that God is reaching out to God's people. And that is through the person of Jesus Christ. It, it was so powerful that, that even the, the writers of the letters after the Gospels talked about how important it was for people that, that the disciples and those around knew that they got the opportunity to see God face to face. Paul wrote in Colossians 1.15, the Son, being Jesus Christ, is the image of 
the invisible God. So, so when Jesus stands in front of his disciples and says, look, when you see me, you get the opportunity to see the Father because the Father and I are one. I didn't share this with the, with the uh, early service, but I'll share this with you. There are times where I'll, I'll play, uh, do a little word association thing with, with uh, youth. We talk about saying, tell me who God the Father is. And we start seeing images that he's a judge. He, he wants to smite people. He, he's like far off. He's, he's distant. He, he's nowhere near us. And then when we talk about who Jesus is, they'll say, well, he's loving, he's caring, he heals, he cares, he, he, he is one of us. And then we pull out the scripture that I shared with you from the ninth verse of John 14, when Jesus says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And it's a reminder that what Jesus did was to give us a full picture of who the one who created us is. A loving, caring, compassionate God who, who wants the best for us, but more importantly, wants us to have a living relationship with him. I think one of the problems that we have in, in this Western view of, of Christianity is that we have a tendency to look at Jesus in two different views. We, we look at him as Savior, and we look at Jesus as Lord. And, and we are so ready and able to run to Jesus as our Savior. We, we want Jesus to save us for our sins, to, to, to make us right so that our lives, our lives matter. So, so we don't have to worry about the sins that, that we commit because Jesus has saved us. But what Jesus has done, he has combined the two together, that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. And he's Savior and Lord because of who the Father is and because we see the Father through Jesus Christ. When we say that Jesus is not only our Savior, but Jesus is our Lord, we are saying, you know, look, what I do in my life, everything is under your Lordship. I want to live as one of your disciples. But the life that I have right now, I know, is incomplete. The life that I have right now is full of, of failure, full of shortcomings. But because you are my Lord... I will give my life completely to you. When we have the opportunity to look at Jesus as our Lord, Jesus becomes and God becomes relatable to us. When we take a look at, at what Jesus did when he was walking around this earth, we saw that Jesus was filled with temptation. We hear about the story when he's out in the wilderness for 40 days and, and Satan comes and tempts him three different times, trying to tempt him with food, tempt him with power, tempt him with the ability to rule the entire world. And Jesus like, well, that's all mine already because me 
and the Father are one. And then we see how Jesus came to serve. You know, a normal king would not come and say, look, I'm here to serve you. The king would come and say, look, you are my servants, and I will rule over you with with a harsh thumb. But Jesus said, no, remember that the first will be last, and the last will be first. One of the most beautiful hymns in the uh, New Testament is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, the servant hymn where it says that Christ came to serve us, to set an example so that we too may then go out and serve others. And then finally, Jesus came as a sacrifice, as a reminder to us that that we are to sacrifice too, that all that we have and all that we are is a gift. And and we, we graciously give back to God, and we sacrifice those things that, that are, are precious to us, our identities, our, our wealth, our, our statuses in life. We, we sacrifice those things so that Christ may be lifted up as an example to others so that they may see the love and grace of God in and through us. That's why I love this table. This table is a reminder to us of Christ's sacrifice. It is a reminder to us that we are then called to go and serve others. It is a reminder that we are strengthened by this holy meal of bread and wine. That that we are strengthened to go out and be in service to the world around us, just as Christ came and served us. So my hope and my prayer is as we continue to understand what it means to have a high Christology, is that we don't just make that an academic thing that we reach out to, that it becomes something that we live, that that we embody it in our lives so that others may see Jesus and others may see God in us. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for Jesus. We give you thanks that you have given him to us as a way for us to be in relation with you. So Lord, as we continue to study and and, and to understand what it means to have a high Christology in our life, Guide us and lead us to be a servant of yours and to be a servant of the world around us. Help us to put away those things that that may block our relationship with you so that we can be fully dependent on the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we lift this prayer to you. In the name of the one who saves us and loves us, who lived his life for us so that we may have life and life abundantly, Jesus our Lord. Amen.